Today's scripture reading is from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that you may cast so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Thank you, Connor. Be seated. It's so exciting to be in a place where we can worship God with people who are in their 80s and 90s and people who are about a week old. Hey, Arthur, nice to see you this morning. In Matthew 25, when Jesus is giving a series of answers to his disciples about the end of the age, the coming of the Son of of Man, there is a well-known parable of the ten virgins, or or the ten bridesmaids. If you aren't familiar, these, these bridesmaids were waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and they brought extra oil for their lanterns, but five were foolish, and they only brought what they had. And by the time they realized that the groom was coming, it was too late for the five who were foolish because they had gone away to get more oil. And the doors of the, of the wedding feast are, are closed on, on, on their faces, on, on the faces of, of the foolish ones. But the wise women were ready, and they were welcomed in, it's this, it's this powerful image. There's a, another equally powerful image, I think, that might not be as, as well known, but it comes immediately before this parable, found at the end of Matthew chapter 24. And although it might not be as well known as the parable of, of the virgins, its message is rather compelling. And given where we are right now in history and in, in our country, I think it's exceptionally pertinent. It's one of the many parables about two servants, one wise and uh, one a wise and faithful servant and one a wicked servant who is foolish. In the parable, the master of the house is leaving and in the meantime he intends to charge one of his servants to watch over the household as, as well as the other servants. Two scenarios are given. In, in the first, the servant is faithful and wise. He does the task that he's charged to do as long as the master is gone. And when the master returns, he finds the servant hard at work. And the master responds by elevating the servant to this position of leadership full time, a very prestigious thing for this servant. In the second scenario, it's the wicked servant who's tasked with the job as overseer of the house. And he does the job for some time, but eventually he realizes the master is not going to return as quickly as, as he thought he was going to. And instead of continuing on with the good work, he begins to take advantage of the other servants. He begins to take advantage of the wealth of the master. He begins to take advantage of the food and drink of the master as if it was his own. And it's at this moment in the parable that the master returns. 
to find the wicked servant eating and drinking, not at work like he was supposed to be. A punishment for the wicked servant is as grand a gesture as that that was given to the faithful servant, except instead of being promoted to a place of honor and recognition, the wicked servant, as he's cut to pieces and thrown into a place of outer darkness, a place described with weeping and gnashing of teeth. What I think might be missed in in this parable is that the wicked servant and the faithful servant appear to be the same person. It isn't that one servant is destined for greatness and one servant is destined for punishment, but it's one servant has a choice. Two scenarios are given. He can either be wise or foolish. He can either obey and trust that the master is going to return just like he said, or the servant can assume role of leadership for himself, taking advantage of the opportunity that he's been given. One servant, two choices. To be a faithful follower or to be a shameful and lazy leader. You and I are charged with the same task as the servant, to watch over the household until the master comes home. And we have the same choice. Last week, Tom, uh, Tom introduced our study on leadership and humility by bringing us to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5 and other sections in the New Testament, like 1 Timothy chapter 3, are generally thought as instructions for elders and shepherds in the church. And while they do offer significant insight to the role of an elder, the instructions are really a model for all of us. Because whether or not you realize it, you are always following and you are always leading. You're always following and you're always leading. Regardless of your age and regardless of your role, of the position that you hold, there are people that are looking up to you and there are others that you look up to as well. These instructions given to elders are good models for how we all need to live as leaders and we need to live as followers in our lives for all Christians of all ages, even a week old. First Peter chapter 3, our state really sums up, I think, perfectly how we are to exist as a church in this group of leading and following each other. As brothers and sisters in Christ, all of you, it's, as in 1 Peter 3, 8, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. The humble mind is, is one of the most crucial elements for both leaders and followers, and we're going to spend an, uh, several uh, uh, weeks after this continuing to look at what that actually means. Last week, if you missed it, I'd, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to Tom's sermon about what it looks like for leaders to lead with humility, to lead with a humble mind. This week, we're going to look at the flip side. What does it look like to follow in humility? To follow in humility. Our, our text this morning, as was read earlier, comes from 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verses 5-7. through seven. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders— 
Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Clothe yourself with humility, be subject to the elders, cast your anxieties on God. Just as a snapshot, this is what it looks like to be a good follower. We're going to revisit this passage a number of times this morning. But first, I, I want to look at a few different f- followers in the Bible to see what they did right. Let's look for a moment at a couple people in the Old Testament who could be described as good followers. Truthfully, we could spend months on this topic alone, good followers in the Old Testament, because it's full of people who are good followers of God. It's the story of the Israelites being reclaimed by their God, people following after him and not following after him at other times. And sometimes the same people could be both. The same people could be a good follower at one moment and a bad follower at another. Let's take Abraham, for example. Now, Abraham wasn't perfect. In fact, we're going to see that imperfection is a theme for all of these good followers that we're going to talk about. Abraham was a leader in many respects. He's a leader of his family that would become the Israelite people. But Abraham was first and foremost identified as a follower, as a follower of God. From the outset, from his call out of Ur in Genesis chapter 12, all the way to his near sacrifice of his promised son Isaac, Abraham demonstrates humility by obeying the word of the Lord. Humility through obedience. A good follower is humble, but they're also obedient. Or what about Joshua, another great leader of the Old Testament who first excelled as a great follower? First, Joshua was a follower of Moses. He's described as Moses' attendant while he's on Mount Sinai talking to God. He continues to be a good follower of Moses throughout the journey in the wilderness. Joshua is also one of the 12 spies who's sent out to survey the promised land. And instead of being a poor follower like 10 of, this, uh, 10 of the spies caving to the pressures of the group, Joshua is one of the two spies who brings back a good report. Because Joshua is not only a good follower of Moses, Joshua is ultimately a good follower of God. And he knows that God can lead them through what he brought them to. Joshua demonstrates humility through his willingness to step out from the group, to trust that God would lead. And what about in the New Testament? What better followers are there than the 12 apostles who were called by Jesus? A group who are called out of their occupations, they're called out of their families to do what? What does Jesus say? Follow me, right? Again, this group, the 12 apostles, a group full of its own imperfections that we'll get to in a minute. But remember, a good follower is not perfect. They just have to be humble. Like Abraham, the apostles, the 12, were good followers through, uh, through, uh, 
through obedience. In places like Matthew chapter 10, we read that the 12 were sent out by Jesus to declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand, to heal, uh, heal the sick and to share peace. A leader, Jesus, instructing his followers. And like Joshua, they were good followers by their willingness to step out at some moments to step out in faith, to step out of, of the boat, to step out of their careers, to step out of their hometowns and follow someone who they just met. I want to reread our passage this morning from 1 Peter 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. And in verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's been shown quickly, for examples like Abraham and Joshua and the twelve, that good followers demonstrate humility, obedience, and willingness. But as this passage describes in verse 7, a good follower is reliant. A good follower is reliant. The twelve, or at least some of them, have this really cool moment in John chapter 6 where they say that they are reliant on Jesus. John chapter 6 is a well-known chapter where Jesus declares in descriptive language the role that he's going to play as the bread of life, ultimately leading to the cross and ultimately leading to his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And there are many who hear these words and are, they're turned off by what Jesus is saying. Some are so offended that they leave. This is when Jesus turns to the twelve, these good followers, and in John 6 verse 67 asks, do you want to go away as well? And Peter, in this incredibly humble and kind of hilarious response, says, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Jesus, who can give us what you have? The twelve are declaring that, or most of them at least, they are reliant on Jesus. All of their cares, their anxieties cast on Jesus. So really quickly, we've tried to paint this picture of what it looks like to be a good follower one who's humble, obedient, willing, but also reliant. But what then is a bad follower? In order to really understand what a bad follower looks like, I, I think we should look again at the people that we've already looked at. Abraham, the good follower, who was obedient to the very end, but at other times he displayed a real lack of trust and what God had called him to do. By coming up with his own plans to fulfill the promise, like through his servant Eleazar or through his wife's servant Hagar. Abraham, not always a good follower. Or Joshua, the one who was willing to step out of the group to take a stand for God, immediately following the great scene uh, after the falls of the walls of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6, the Israelites experience resistance at Ai in Joshua chapter 7. 
And Joshua responds by falling on his face and crying out, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan River at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites? To destroy us? Joshua, not always a good follower. Or or what about the apostles? A group commended for their reliance on Jesus, but you already know there were a number of them. And a number of times, a great many times, that they were far from perfect. Like Peter's numerous retaliations to what Jesus was saying. Or what about Judas, his, his own betrayal of Jesus. Even the twelve, not always good followers. So, we, we have this question we're trying to understand this morning. What's the real difference between a good follower and a bad follower. I want to return to the parable that we opened with this morning of the servant who's left in charge by the master. The wicked servant is the bad follower who takes advantage of his position, and when the master returns, the master finds how the servant has neglected what he was called to do. The faithful servant is the good follower, The one who is obedient to the words of the master, and when the master returns, where does he find the servant but hard at work? You see, the difference between a good follower and a bad follower is not how productive productive they were. It's not how perfect they were in executing the task. It's not how successful they were in their endeavors. The difference between a good follower and a bad follower is how the master finds them when he returns. One is found at work, and one is found at rest. One is found actively following, and one is found passively waiting. But remember, it's one servant with two choices, either to be a good follower or a lazy leader. Like I said earlier, you and I are charged with that same task to watch over the house while the master is gone. And we face the same choice. Like we've already witnessed with people, the great people of faith, like Abraham or even Joshua or the Twelve, we all have the potential to be the wise servant or the wicked servant. The question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is which one are we going to be? Not which one have you been, or not even which servant are you right now, but which servant are you going to be when the master comes home? The great followers of the Bible are not defined by their mistakes that fill the pages of their stories. We know that their mistakes are many. But the great followers of the Bible are are defined by the kinds of followers they were even to the end. Not how productive they were or how successful they were, but how humble they were, how obedient they were, how willing they were, how reliant on God they were. As I mentioned earlier, and as we'll probably mention a couple more times this month, we are all followers and we are all leaders. And whether you like it or not, people are looking to you as a leader, maybe as a spiritual example or as a relational example. 
And there are people that you look, you look up to as well, and you follow. There's a couple of things that we need to do this morning as a group. The first thing we need to do is consider if we're following the right people. If the person or the, or, or, or the people that you look up to look more like than the servant at play, the wicked servant, the lazy leader, that might be a sign you need to follow someone else. Are you following the right people? And if you don't think you have anyone around you to follow, we can always follow Jesus. The second thing that we need to do this morning is we need to ask, are we following at all? The act of following requires a type of action, a type of movement in a direction. Following someone or something literally means that you are moving, if it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, you are moving in a certain direction. When the master returns, how will he find you? Will he find you hard at work? or passively waiting and wasting? Are you moving anywhere at all? Are you following at all? I want to reiterate something I've, uh, I said earlier, earlier this morning because I don't want us to leave, uh, leave today with the wrong impression. A reward, the outcome that the servant receives is directly related to how they're working when the master returns. But, thanks be to God for the sacrifice of Jesus that my reward is not contingent on how good a follower I am. Because just like the people in the Bible, we are imperfect people. However, just because our our reward, the quality of our reward does not depend on the quality of our success in our works. How prideful is it of the servant who says, my master is delayed. I'll get to work later. How prideful, how unhumble, if that's a word, how unhumble do we have to be to live like we have plenty of time left until the master returns. You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he will exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. At this congregation at Spring Road, there are many mature men and women who would be wonderful spiritual leaders, spiritual mentors, and it would be wise of you to look up to them, to follow them as they follow Christ. But regardless of your age, regardless of your spiritual maturity, we all need to be humble and be good followers. We need to be humble enough to trust that the master is going to return like he said he was at the right time. And when he returns, I hope he finds all of us hard at work, taking care of the house, doing what he's entrusted us to do. This morning, if you feel like you don't have work to do, the fields are full. 
Just listen for, to all the kids who are talking in church. <laughs> the fields are full. We have so many good works that need to be done. We have people that need to be fed. We have people that need to be taken care of. We have kids that need to know that there is a God. I strongly encourage you to lean into someone at this church who you see as a leader. Maybe it's one of the elders or one of our ministry leaders. Maybe it's even someone who's younger than you. This morning, if you feel like you have too much work to do, please don't stop. Please don't think that the master is delayed. Have the humility to ask for help bring other people alongside you. For all of us, we are in a time right now where it's becoming increasingly hard to be a Christian. Our culture is claiming to offer things that only God can provide. We've been reading from uh, the book of 1 Peter this morning. This is the entire reason that 1 Peter was written in the first place. There are Christians who are receiving animosity. They're becoming marginalized in their communities because they believe that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. So what does Peter write? He writes, be humble. Be good followers. As good followers, we have to be humble enough to rely on God and on God alone. And if we're willing to be good followers, then no matter what rises up in our society, no matter what pressures come at us from our friends or even our own family, we have nothing to be afraid of because the master's coming home and he's coming soon. Are you going to be ready when he does? This morning, if you are not a Christian, if you have not been baptized, you need to know that there's no amount of good work that can be done for you to be found good when the master returns. Like Jesus to his disciples, he's asking you to follow. He's asking you to come out of your life and to follow him. And Jesus has already done all the work for you. All he needs you to do is be humble and be obedient and be willing to step out and rely on him alone. If you have any need, whether it's here in person or on Facebook, please, please make it known. If not, right now this morning, then let one of us know later this week. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The master is coming home. You have a choice. One servant, two choices. A lot of servants, two choices. Are we going to be found as the wicked servant who has wasted the opportunities that was given him? Or will we, will we be found as the faithful servant? the one who was humble enough to do the work that was set before him. It doesn't matter how good a follower you have been or how good a follower you right now, how good of a follower you are right now. The Son of God died for you so you don't have to do all the work. If you have a need, let's stand together as we sing.